Welcome to the Believe Olympia podcast with guest Shira Charpentier, founder of Beyond Rules Recovery. Hi, everyone. I am Laurieann. I am the host of Bleak Bulimia. And today I'm so pleased to have Shira, I'm going to say it, Chapancy, French version of it. And uh, very pleased to have her here. Thank you for being here, Shira. And Shira is going to be sharing her story of uh, her struggles through eating disorders, recovery, and where it's brought to her today. So thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So let's start. How? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm Shira, and I grew up in Minnesota. Um, I'm one of, um, I have two sisters, one older and one younger. And um, yeah, I guess my story really started out um, when I was a child. I was really fortunate to have my little sister born when I was seven. And my family dynamics really changed at that point. And um, it was sort of a new family dynamic for me. My, um, unfortunately, I was abused as a child and my father really changed when my little sister was born. And to me, it was sort of a foreign you know, experience because I had known him one way and then all of a sudden he had become this other kind of person. And I think that's really where sort of the eating disorder kind of took off for me because I always had been this very, um, you know, needing to be perfect needing to be quiet, needing to be respectful. And, um, you know, when my world kind of changed, my little sister was born, I, that's what I knew and that's who I was, but then it was kind of different and those expectations weren't there for her. And I guess I just needed to kind of continue that role that I was playing to be a perfect child. Um, and unfortunately that came out for me through my eating disorder um, that started pretty young. And, you know, it's hard to say that nobody really picked it up until I was older. And so I went all through my, you know, childhood years, middle school and high school years with nobody knowing that I was struggling with an eating disorder. And I actually really didn't realize it until I got to college myself and was eating with a, you know, new group of people. And I was just thinking to myself, wow, my relationship with food, the way that I eat is completely different than all these people that I'm seeing. And that's really when I started, you know, kind of wondering, you know, what is going on with my, you know, food uh, situation. And that's when I went to get help for the first time was when I was in college. Wow. And can you tell us a little bit? So you were quite young when you started and what, what would you define your eating disorder as? Yeah, I would say really from that early age until um, kind of mid-college was anorexia. Um, I really started cutting out foods that I associated with, you know, positive experiences, birthdays, you know, um, pancakes on Sunday morning, you know, all these things that I thought, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, I couldn't have those things and I didn't deserve them. And so it's like slowly by slowly, I cut all these things saying, you know, I don't like them or, you know, I I don't like the taste of them, but really I didn't feel like I was able to have them like everybody else. Um, So, yeah, I would say definitely anorexia, you know, by the time I got to high school, I wasn't going to the dining hall or to the dining room at all. Um, I was sitting in my teacher's classrooms during lunch, never had eaten lunch, even though my parents had packed me lunch. And it was a really silent, you know, eating disorder, you know, journey for me for so long. 
And, um, you know, it did sort of begin to change when I got to college and was kind of given that freedom for the first time and nobody was watching me. And, and that's sort of when it started into um, some binge eating. And, you know, before I knew it, I sort of had gained some weight and I was like, you know, I really think I've got like, let myself go out of control. And, you know, one day I just realized, hey, after I eat, I can throw up and get rid of all this food. And, you know, that then sent me on another journey for another decade um, of bulimia. So, you know, anorexia for a decade, bulimia for a decade. Um, I had an eating disorder for a total of probably about 23 years. And really the last 10 years for me, really bulimia was probably the worst. And, um, you know, as I'm sure you know from people that have spoken on here and, you know, your experience, um, you know, it can go hidden for so long and you're so ashamed. You don't want to tell anybody about really what your life is like on a daily basis. And, you know, for me that had gotten so out of control, um, yet I remained this really wonderful, perfect student who got, you know, straight A's, you know, graduated from college, got a job, went back to college and got a nursing degree and really never missed a beat until my world really started falling down and I couldn't, you know, con you know, continue at that rate anymore. That's interesting. I've known, um, I had a friend who also, she started with anorexia and then it moved on to bulimia. Uh, and it is, it's, it, you feel ashamed and you feel that people are going to judge you too, even if you say, I need help. And then you go, well, then they're going to see you in a different way. Um, but uh, now I love what you wrote to me because that's one thing that I always say, because like with me, I struggled on off for 30 years, mostly on. And you said something that I feel is so true is how amazing it feels to recover. Oh my gosh. I know, you know, I celebrated eight years just um, a couple of months ago. And, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, I think it was yesterday. And I was like, you know, my memories of how bad it was fade every year a little bit more. And I'm just so grateful for that because there was a time where I thought this was my life and there was no out. And now to think that I'm living this life in recovery and that those memories become less and less and my new memories become more and more, you know, and, and I, I just feel so fortunate to say that I, I have recovered and, you know, I'm living a life that I really never dreamed was possible for me. Um, and even the people around me started telling me like, I was, you know, going to have an eating disorder the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was chronic and I was too severe and all of these things. And ultimately it wasn't, it wasn't my story. You know, it wasn't the end of my story. And I think that's, you know, when, when I found out about your podcast, I really wanted to just share, you know, no matter how long it's been for people or how long they've been hiding in secrecy, you know, you can totally recover. And, um, you know, I also want to share a little bit about what I've started since um, kind of the middle of my journey in recovery. I started an organization. Uh, we initially were called Living Proof M MN, and we have now uh, changed and rebranded and we're called Beyond Rules Recovery. And, you know, when I left treatment, I had to leave treatment because I realized it wasn't a good place for me. You know, it maybe was at some point, you know, to really get me out of the um, you know, medically unstable portions of my life that I was in, but ultimately it wasn't a place where I could recover. And I realized that, 
and I needed to leave, and I really forged my own way. And when I was looking for other ways to get support for myself, I couldn't find anything. I really was stuck. So I ended up going to AA, which really got me to my first 100 days of eating disorder behavior free. It wasn't consecutive when I first started, but it was, you know, two days and then I backslipped and then it was five days and backslipped. And, you know, I finally got to 100 consecutive days and it was just, it was amazing. I didn't have any eating um, alcohol or drug addiction, but I purely went out, went out for my eating disorder. And I told them that right off the bat and they welcomed me, this group did. And I went every day at 12 o'clock. And that was the only thing I could really find that was something that was different than treatment. So fast forward about four years when I started sharing my story at treatment centers and how I've you know recovered and my life has gone on, people will come up to me afterwards and say, can I just get your phone number? Can I just talk with you? I would just love to know like how you did it. And so of course I gave them my phone number and I started talking to people that led me to mentoring people that led me to opening up my own nonprofit, which I have today. And I, I feel so lucky to be able to offer something to people that I wish I could have found in that moment when I was really searching because I, I had it in me that I really wanted to recover, but I didn't know how. I didn't even know one person in recovery at that moment. And so, you know, that's what I want to give people today. We're 100% peer led and everybody that's helping somebody else is just a little bit further in their own recovery process. And so we like to think of our program as an you know, evolution. So the people that are getting help today are going to be the people helping others tomorrow. And we have an um, array of support from mentoring that I'm still doing today to support groups, to education, to training, to um, pep rallies at schools, and you know, really bringing that body confident, that authentic, um, you know, becoming your own advocate, you know, becoming empowered. Uh, to schools and kids and college students um, worldwide. And it's just been a phenomenal experience, you know, teaching myself how to run a nonprofit, had no experience um, till today. I mean, being on this podcast saying I've recovered and I want other people to recover too. That's lovely. I just got goosebumps. I love that. I've recovered. It's a beautiful thing to say, isn't it? I mean, it's overwhelmingly, um, you know, it almost brings tears to my eyes when I hear these stories because it's just, Amazing. And I, you know, we were talking about that. Um, a few of my friends have been talking about it, how with COVID and such, um, how it's increased eating disorders. And they say amongst young women, but there's young men are also oh, yeah. it's increasing. And I don't know that it's 100% increase. I mean, it's increasing in all directions. But I even think back when I had bulimia, that there were more males that had it than we knew because. Mm -hmm they wouldn't come out, but they're now coming out and, and seeking help for it, which is nice to see. Definitely. They, they were a lot, I think they just kept silent. So really the statistics, I don't think really reflected what, uh, what we were listening to. So I think it's wonderful you're going into the schools because the young ladies really need to know and the young men that there's support there for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we do have men on our, um, on our groups and I've worked with them individually. Um, we had a live-in program for about two and a half years going where my husband and I opened up our home to people with eating disorders. And um, some people were with us for a couple of weeks and some people were with us for six months. So we really got to see people transform. 
And as exhausting and challenging as it was, you know, I do not regret, you know, one day of doing those live-ins. Um, we have stopped them for the moment. Um, we're working on really building our nonprofit and getting some more assistance so that we can maybe reopen in some fashion to have um, a live-in program, maybe a shorter amount of time, but having more support because it was really my husband and I, and um, it, you know, it, it was a lot of work. Um, but going back to the mail thing, we do have mails. Um, we had, I've had mails as mentees. I've had mails on our support groups and I even had mail in our living program and they have recovered. They're, they're living a life of recovery. They didn't ever think that they could, you know, and they're so happy that they broke the silence. Right. And some of them had to come out to their wives and their children that they hadn't said, you know, anything for 20, 30 years. And they got the courage to seek help, to tell their family what had been going on, and then to find the appropriate support so that they could recover. And it's just you know amazing to see these men um, at all ages really come forward, share their experience, and then want to help other men come forward. Because I think that's what this whole thing is about: is peers helping peers. You know, I think that's the best way. You know, people have lived through it, and those are the people that know what it's like how they got through it, giving some of their own, you know, guidance uh, from their own experience and um, really helping other people create that life that maybe they never thought was possible for themselves. I agree with that. And defining the proper treatment is also very, very important. I, like you, took, uh, I had a great counselor when I first started seeking help in my uh, journey. And then I was moved away and I couldn't find somebody and I was doing, I was progressing really well, but then uh, I just dropped back into it. And, uh, you know, from psychiatrists to psychologists to meeting groups, I don't want to put down some of the Facebook groups that I, I've watched, but I do worry about them sometimes because it's some of the questions on there can be actually triggering for somebody, particularly if you're new into the recovery. And now I'm not saying that just about, well, let me have, I have this one lady who came on to one of our podcasts who lost an eye. And she was going on to Facebook groups with people who had lost an eye as well. And she says, I had to get off of there because I was, she has such a positive attitude and it was weighing her down. So you just have to really be careful that, yes, there are going to be times that's going to be serious, but you also need that positive encouragement. That's, that's so Absolutely. important. Yeah. And that's like something that I really want to stress when people are, um, you know, maybe looking for a different support for themselves, or they have a family member that's, um, you know, has been struggling, or even a coworker, a neighbor, a spouse, a sister, whatever it is, um, direct them to our website. You know, Beyond Rules Recovery is changing the way recovery is looked at. We believe people can recover, we empower people to recover, and we want people to take ownership of the recovery process. And we're very, very recovery focused, probably the most that I've seen in any group. And people have told us that, you know, I just came from trying five other groups and man, I was more depressed leaving the group than I was, you know, before I even went. And, you know, we really focus on helping people figure out what tools, are going to be helpful for their progress and working towards recovery and really giving people the empowerment, the skills, the tools to change their life actively, not sitting in the despair and the sorrow and the, you know, shame, but really rising above it and saying, okay, this is what I've got. 
how can I move forward from this? And people have just remarkably, you know, changed their life, their direction of their life. And it's just been phenomenal to see, you know, like you said, the right kind of support when you're really, you know, motivated and, you know, desiring to change, you know, if that can, you can find something to match that it's like a perfect setup for yourself. Um, and that's really what I hope people leave um, beyond rules recovery with is that empowerment and that instillment that they have it within themselves to recover. They can actually do this. And um, we're just really excited, you know, by it's been a couple of years and we're going on our third year of being um, founded and helped a lot of people and just looking forward to 2022, basically. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a great feeling. I love it. And as you said, just, I've never had experience with a nonprofit before. Um, it just shows though, that when you're really adamant about something and passionate about something that, uh, that you learned. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the best things about recovery is you finally get the confidence to live the life that you want, right. And speaking up for yourself, being your best self, you know, in the eating disorder, you're pleasing other people, you're doing things for the society, you're doing things to, you know, have a good name for yourself. But when you're in recovery, you know, you really are just thinking about, wow, what makes me happy? What makes me tick? What are my passions? And you get to go after them. And then maybe it doesn't work, right? So you change course, but it doesn't bring you down. It's like, I was telling somebody, it's a, you know, when I was in my eating disorder, I never had this like imagination, this forward thinking, right? And now it's like, every day I have a new thought. I'm like, oh, I should try this. Oh, I wonder what this would be like. And it's just like so wonderful because I didn't have it for 20 years. You know, it really was like dead on the inside and outside. And I've completely come back alive. And I, I love watching that happen with the people that we work with too. That's beautiful. And, and I'm really glad that you're on here too, because I know that believe it or not, this time of the year is one of the most stressful ones for people who are struggling yes. with eating disorders. I remember I used to just think, oh my gosh, here we go again. You know, <laughs> you're surrounded by food and family and um, very, very stressful. Very. Uh, yeah. So definitely, you know, it's good. We're going to definitely have this on, on the website and everything to make sure that people can reach out to you. And um, that's one thing that I love. I'm not even nervous or worried anymore. Like for the last me, I, I'm 11 years. And it's like, this is so great. I can actually sit down at a meal. I don't have to write. I've said this before on the previous podcast. I don't have to look at my watch and wait, oh, 20 minutes. Yeah. To find somewhere that nobody's going to know that I'm disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> wait till it's really busy so that they don't notice you're gone. And yep. it was awful. It was, it was um, awful to live that way. And to not, it's like, it's a gift. Really. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I just, I'm just so excited. I don't have to go through that anymore. And I really want other people to feel that. That's yeah. I'm really, really glad that I found, came across your podcast and thank you for doing this and inspiring other people that they can do it too. Um, I think, you know, just the more people that can talk about their experience and getting it out in the open, um, you know, breaks down that stigma that, you know, it's okay if you're struggling and you can, you can get better, you know, don't hide anymore, um, you know, come out and, and get the help and recover. And know that you're not alone. Absolutely. It's too. I mean, it's not expected, you know, tomorrow you're going to be over it. I mean, it's good no. time for some people. Some people will be faster. Some people will be slower, but just knowing that you have that support group there is really important and the right one for you. And I love this podcast because it gives the listeners an array of different opportunities. So yeah. you know, if they don't feel 
that uh, going to beyond rules recovery is right for them. There's other Absolutely. options, but I love this concept. And, uh, and I love that you had people inside. It was funny because my dream since I think I was in my late twenties and I was still struggling with bulimia, but I said, when I recover, eventually I'm going to have, you know, those little tiny homes. I'm going to have like five or six of them and have a getaway for people who are struggling with bulimia <laughs> just to get away. It can still happen. Yeah, exactly. It still happen. Uh, I think sometimes too, but it's hard to, this is something I wonder if you work with because even getting away, I think does help sometimes mm -hmm. in an environment where there's support, but then they have to integrate back when they yes. come back. And I think that's can be very difficult. I know one young lady that, um, that I'm helping just, she calls me when she needs me to, she did go into, um, you know, support cause she had to with her health and everything. And she came back out and she says, I want to go back because it was hard for her to integrate yeah. started feeling the same stresses about work yep. same things that were triggers and absolutely yeah one of the things that we did at our living program and we help people you know even my mentees and on our groups is you know in the beginning there's a lot of support right there's a lot of uh feedback there's a lot of you know troubleshooting together but then you have to let that person figure it out also because when they go back into their normal everyday life you know, whether they come out of treatment, whether they come out of my house, whether they come out of like our support groups, you know, they're not going to have that constant support And life. I say to people, just because you're in recovery, doesn't mean life is perfect. Like every day is stressful. Every day there's like a, a snafu that comes in or like bad news that comes about. And, you know, it's about recovery is about dealing with those stressors in a more positive way. You don't have to rely on the eating disorder to get through them. And so as people progress through our program, there's less of that, you know, quick, you know, I need help right now, but like, how do you get through it? And then sort of check in and be like, wow, I made this progress. Like, look, I, you know, a month ago, I wasn't able to do this and now look what I can do. And so we did sort of have this tapering of, um, you know, letting people take more of an act, actual um, active role, sorry, active role in their recovery um, which helped them set themselves up for going back to their own environment. And we had a lot of people transition and did really, really, really well um, where they had been in and out of treatment and could not sustain. Uh, so, you know, there are different models out there. Like I said, I really hope that one day we can offer something like that again. But in the meantime, the mentoring and the support groups and the things that we have can actually help. You know, don't just dismiss it because it's not um, what you think is going to be the ideal situation. Some of those ideal situations that you hear of may not be good for you. So just be open, right? Open to something, trying something new. Um, hearing a different set of vocabulary from somebody else can really change someone's course of their life. At least it did for me. Very true. Now, one thing I'd like to talk to you about before I let you go, I, um, I find there's a lot of people who talk about trigger foods. I tend to think there's triggers that trigger you to go to the trigger foods. And Absolutely. this is one thing that's very difficult because I think sometimes even young people, um, younger, and not even that, even my thirties and stuff, it was still going on, but things like, um, feeling overwhelmed at work or not even liking what you're doing at work, um, mm -hmm. but then feeling stuck because you think, well, I don't want to leave there and find something that's more to my style because of that security. Absolutely. And it's hard too, as somebody to say, Hey, you know what? I know one of the triggers is your job because you just absolutely hate it. And, <laughs> and that's, that's going to trigger it. 
but I can't say, but quit. Like, cause I, I, in my position, I can't say that, but I know from what they're talking about, yep. that's one of the issues. Yep. That's a really difficult thing to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we do have people that um, come on and maybe they're taking AP classes in high school or they're taking, you know, more credits in college than sort of the normal full-time credits or they don't like their job, right? So we do have people that come on and they, they, they kind of share their experience or their situation currently. And we're like, oh my gosh, I look at what you're talking about. You know, if you decrease this or you kind of went a little bit of a different route, how that would eliminate that um, stressor, that sort of that dis disgust in your life or that sort of discontentment. And, you know, I think people that are in it don't see the things that are contributing, but when you're on the outside and you're kind of seeing like retrospectively what it was for yourself, you can really help somebody maybe have a better perspective. Um, and not to say that everybody needs to change their entire situation, but being more mindful of like, hey, wow, really, you know, every time I come home from work, this X, Y, Z happens. Maybe I need to change my routine. Maybe I need to change my environment, the people I hang out with um, to set myself up for set success, right? Absolutely. That's one thing I do try to, um, when I'm guiding somewhere, helping them, coaching them, uh, it is to try and, you know, I know that you're talking, and I see that a lot, the trigger foods, trigger foods, trigger foods, try to stop, stop there and try and find out, like you said, do you use different words than that, but you're saying trigger foods, I kind of say triggers that turn to go to those. Definitely. And, uh, and it's, I, not a, it's not about the food. We know that. Yeah. It's not about the food, right? It's everything else that's underneath the food. So, you know, it, it's, um, I, I like what you're saying is really focusing on the external, the environment um, situations, because that is leading to the eating disorder symptoms and behaviors, not the other way around. Yeah. Oh, I used to be a go, 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 didn't stop, didn't stop, didn't stop. And that was my stop. But then I didn't realize, you know, I'm <laughs> doing this right now. Yes. You've taken on too much. And, yes. and, and it's hard to eliminate certain things because you go, no, I love this. I love this. And this is really good. And that's really good. But for your health, you need to find out, okay, in priorities, what can you, can you remove? It's not everyone that's like that, but there's certain people that are. So really appreciate you being here. This Thank you. Wonderful. And please, so that I know it's going to be on the website and, uh, and in the notes, but please, again, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure. So we are Beyond Rules Recovery, and the website is pretty easy. It's www.beyondrulesrecovery.org. You can find everything right on that website. Excellent. Again, Shira, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Lorianne. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit me at bleepbulimia.com.